afternoon, we ask for your mercy, your grace, your presence, even in this room. I pray, O oh God, even, Father, that you show yourself strong, even in the lives of your people. Let the entrance of your word bring, O oh God, illumination, bring clarity, bring faith, even to your people. Let our lives be transformed, because we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter number 11. We're going to read from verse number 22 to 24. And there you will find the subject matter for today. Hallelujah. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God. Amen. We've been on the faith journey for a while, isn't it? We talked about the quarantined faith. How many remember? We talked about the quarantined faith. And then after that, we talked about what else? Contagious faith. And last week, we looked at putting your faith in action. Amen. So, if your faith is in action, then that faith, however big it looks, however big it sounds, can grow. Hallelujah. So this afternoon, we are talking about how to make your faith grow. Amen. And the story we just read, it was the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Bethlehem, or Jerusalem, sorry, he was, he, into Jerusalem where, you remember, he sent his two, his, his two disciples to go and untie the colt. And if somebody says to them, untie the colt, and, and uh, 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 when anybody says to you, why are you untying the colt? You say to them, the master has need of the cult. Amen. And then the master jumps on the cult and they take the, 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 the uh, Jesus on the donkey and people are throwing their garments and palm branches and saying, blessed be uh, the Lord God for sending his son to Jerusalem. And he comes in. It was about evening time. So Jesus goes into the temple. He just looks at the place and he didn't say anything and then said to the people, let's go to Bethany, which was close by, let's go and chill out and come back uh, tomorrow morning. On his way to chilling in Bethany, where they, they stayed, they, they were hungry, and they saw a fig tree. So they went by the fig tree, and, and Jesus desiring to have uh, fruit, because there was leaves on the fig tree, was he went there, and there was no fruit. And so Jesus cursed the, the tree and says that let no man eat of this tree again. So they went, chilled out, spent the night. On the morning, 
on their way, on, uh, they came back to the, the town. They came back into Jerusalem, and Jesus took the whip. Remember, and he started whipping the money changers in the temple and saying that my house shall be a house of prayer. You have turned it into a den of thieves. And after all that, they were coming out of Jerusalem, out of the, the temple, going back to Bethany. On their way, Peter noticed that the fig tree had withered. And he said, hey, master, this tree you cursed last night. And look at what has happened. It's that it started dying already. It has actually happened. What you said has actually happened. Then Jesus said these words. Have faith. Have faith in God. If you have faith, you can say to this mountain, be removed from where you are and be planted in the sea. And it would obey you. Hallelujah. And then he said, only if you don't doubt in your heart, this will happen. For whatever you say, if you don't doubt, you have it. And therefore, when you pray, whatever you ask, believe. And it will really happen. Amen. Believe and it will really happen. Listen, the most important tool any Christian has is the faith that they have in God. Oh, I don't know whether you understood what I said. The most important tool we have as Christians is not uh, the Bible per se, but it's our faith in God. Because the faith is what makes the difference between one Christian from another. The faith we have in God is what makes the difference between how one Christian lives and how another Christian lives. If you are a faith-based person, your life will be victorious. If you don't have faith, you will always have failure in life. Amen. So it is imperative that our faith grows. It is imperative that our faith becomes enlarged, becomes big. Amen. All of us have a measure of faith. Everybody in this room God has given you a measure of faith. Look at your neighbor and say to your neighbor, you have a measure of faith. In actual fact, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the last part of that scripture, it says that God has given everybody a measure of faith. So it is not that you don't have faith. Everybody has faith. What we need to do is to learn to make that faith grow. Am I talking to somebody? Touch your neighbor and say that, let your faith grow. Oh, tell them again, let your faith grow. You see, what we must understand is that faith is a seed. Amen. Faith is a seed. And when a seed is planted uh, on a good soil and it is watered and nurtured, that seed turns into a harvest. Am I talking to somebody? The problem we have is that sometimes we plant the seed, but we don't water it. Sometimes we plant it, but quarantine it, so it doesn't grow. Sometimes we don't even plant it at all. Yes, we have heard. Yes. We believe some of the Bible stories. But it is in the Bible. Let's be real. 
We are in the real world. Things like the things that happen in the Bible don't happen these days. So they are just imaginary stories. They are like talking about uh, Santa and talking about the reindeers and Lapland. It's only a story in a book. For me, I believe in the reality of life. And those things don't happen in life. So please, don't talk to me about these things in the Bible. What you are doing is that you have quarantined your faith. You have taken the seed. Instead of planting it, you put it in your pocket. See, a seed that can yield a harvest, if it's in one, one's pocket, will never yield any harvest. <laughs> Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? And you see, that seed, that seed called faith, it can be primed for growth or it can be dried up for either eating or just throwing away. How many have seen a seed before? Any seed, seed of anything. Whatever the seed is, it can be dried up eaten or thrown away. Are you with me? But if you are going to plant it, then you've got to do certain things to to that seed before planting. Am I talking to somebody? Otherwise, otherwise, it will not yield the results. Most of us don't do anything to the seed we have. Most of us, we nurture the seed with doubt. Some of us, the nurturing of the seed of doubt is because of the friends you talk to. Some of us, is because of the upbringing that we've had. In our upbringing, negative speaking was the order of the day. How are you? Oh, I'm in my poverty. How is it so-so? How is it things are hard? How is it? How is the, the course going? It is not easy. How many are used to people, not you, but you know somebody who is used to saying, it is not easy. Give me a wave. What, it doesn't matter what it is. They may have blown the exam. They may have done so well, but when they come out of the, the exam room and you ask them, how is it? Because they want to be modest, because they don't want people to think that they are full of themselves, they say, it was not easy at all. Things are hard. Are you with me? And, and so, that thing, what you don't realize is that that thing becomes something that you believe. Anything you talk about, anything that you hear often, whether you like it or not, you are just one minute away from believing it. See, every, everything that you believe, this is how it works. It goes into your subconscious. You understand? The subconscious, sometimes it goes through your, your subconscious when you are asleep. The subconscious sometimes happens when you are a baby. How many have learned some song? You never took time to learn the song, but you know the song. You've never learned a Bob Marley song, but you know from the beginning to the end of the song. And you're not even alive when Bob Marley was singing. How many know what I'm saying? 
And you ask yourself, when did I get to know these songs? Because it happened in your subconscious. You were just listening or they were playing it whilst you were a baby. How many had some, some your, father, your father had some, some songs that were, were very nice, that when you're growing up, it didn't make sense to you, but you know the song. Like, uh, I, I, my father used to play Jim Rivers. I know all Jim Reeves. I know all Jim Reeves songs. You don't know Jim Reeves. <laughs> or or, or uh, Frank Sinatra. You know, my father used to play all those type of songs. So I used to, I know all those type of songs. I never learned them. But as soon as they start playing now, I can sing from beginning to end. And I've never sat down to, because I don't even like those songs. But I know them. Are you getting it? So your subconscious is something that it, it absorbs some things. And over a period of time, when you keep hearing it, when you keep listening to it, when you keep harboring uh, 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 it, it becomes a thought. Then the thought becomes a belief. And once it becomes a belief, it becomes a stronghold. So it's, you build your life around it. Hallelujah. The, the, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not might, are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. That, that thing that they say is pulling down of strongholds, it means that the thing that is holding you strong. Some of us, inferiority complex is holding us strong. We don't believe in ourselves because we're told that we're no good. We're told that you're not beautiful enough. You know, so you overmake up. Let me go and stand behind the sacred prophet. So I, I claim divine immunity as I'm preaching. I'm going to stay here for the rest of the sermon. So nobody can. Yeah, you were told that you are not beautiful enough. You are not pretty enough. Nobody will want to marry you. Because you are not the type of person that is the marrying kind. And so you grow up with that complex in you. And it makes you sometimes horrible. Because that inferiority complex turns into a superiority complex. And then you develop some idiopathic pride. You develop some... some, some Can I, can I preach? You develop some, 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 it's like you become very offish. Even when somebody say hello to you. <laughs> Why? Because you have been told that nobody will like you. So when somebody's coming around you, you just bark like a dog. <laughs> Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Oh, I said I was going to stand by. Amen. So we, we, we don't give ourselves the opportunity to be blessed. We don't give ourselves the opportunity to see God do a miracle in our lives because our upbringing is holding us strong. Some of us, our friends, they, they contaminate God's grace in our lives because they are always negative. See, as soon as you start sharing your plans, I want to start a business. Huh. 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 
Anyway, I'm not saying anything. I don't want to be, to be called a, a, a party pooper, so I'm not going to say anything. But I just want to say, hmm. Have you seen uh, 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 what a She started business. All her savings went. Now she, she's always begging. Haven't you seen her? Hmm. That's all I'll say. A word to the wise. Or did they say something? They say, hmm. And now, hmm, it's a, it's a whole statement. It's a sermon on its own. Hmm. You see a, a, a young man who likes you and is interested in you and wants to marry you, and you tell your mom or your dad about it, and he goes, hmm. All of a sudden, you see the man, you see all the negativity, all the wrong thing about him. With that one, hmm. How many understand what I'm trying to say? So you see, all those things, they, they, they don't put the, the faith in your hand in the prime condition for planting. They dry it up. Hallelujah. But thank God you are in church today. I said, thank God we are in church today. What is happening today is that that faith that has been dried up is being primed again for, for growth. I said, it's being primed again for growth. It is being primed again so that it will grow. The Bible says that when a tree is cut down and it withered away, Yet, at the scent of water, it shall sprout again. The word of God is water. And as I am speaking right now, it is going into the dead parts of your life. The dead parts of your faith. And it's priming it for growth. Hallelujah. Okay, now that it's primed, you have to put it in the soil. Amen. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 7. Give me the NLT if you can if you can, if you can find it. NLT Colossians 2 7. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. Amen. And you will overflow. With thankfulness. Hallelujah. So the next thing, after it being primed, after you being, and you see, I, I, I don't want to oversimplify the priming, but you see, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says that now faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Please, let us become assimilators of the word of God. Let us become people that fall in love with listening to the word of God. Let listening to the word of God become a culture. If you want to be successful, if you want to, how many want to be successful here? Give me a wave. In life, successful in life, in anything you do. Yeah. A, a man in the Bible, in Joshua chapter 1, went to God and says that, I have just been given the boots of my father. And these boots are too big. How can I walk in these boots and do well? If I were God, I would give him military strategies 
self-help routines, <laughs> disciplines, isn't it? Encouraging, but, but, but check what uh, uh, God says in Job chapter 1, Joshua, sorry, chapter 1. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written therein. For it will make your way prosperous and give you good success. So if you want good success, this book of the law. If you want a happy life, this book of the law. If you want to prosperity, this book of the law. If you want a good career, this book of the law. If you want good family, this book of the law. If you want happy children, this book of the law. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. See, brethren are falling in love with social media. If social media is your thing, I'm not knocking social media. But in social media, this book of the law. Are you with me? So rather than seeing who is doing the, the greatest makeup, this book of the law. Are you with me? Rather than going on YouTube to, to find out the best, uh, the latest shoes, the latest designs, the latest whatever, use YouTube to listen to a message. That will build your faith. This book of the law. To give you great success. I want great success. See, one thing I have learned over the years is that even unbelievers use Christian principles, this book of the law, to prosper. It's unfortunate that we that we say we are Christians, we that we believe in God, when it comes to the real thing that will bring gender uh, prosperity and gender success, we don't go to this book of the law. And sometimes, even when we read it, we don't observe to do. Hallelujah. And therefore, we, live, we lead defeated lives. Amen. But you see, for me, I think that life is stressful enough. Life is hard enough not to put yourself in the better position of becoming successful and doing well. Am I talking to somebody? I want to put myself in a situation where I can guarantee that I will do well. And if this book of the law brings me success, then I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. And you see, when you talk about success, in Psalm 1, it says that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Which means that in your walk in your student days, in your walk in your single days, in your walk as a young married person, in your walk as a young man or young woman, in your walk in life, don't take foolish counsel. I said don't take ungodly counsel. Listen, all of us may not know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but when somebody is giving us a counsel which is not godly, we know. 
When a, a, an advice is coming and it is not from God, nobody needs to tell you that this is not from God. But you know that this advice is not from God. And when an advice comes and it's not from God, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen. Or stand in the place of sinners. Sometimes, you see, standing is not as conscious as walking. See, you walk consciously to go and solicit advice. Are you with me? You walk consciously to somebody to ask, what do you think about this? I have this problem with my marriage. I have this problem with my husband. I have this problem. Then the person t- gives you ungodly advice. But sometimes you are not conscious. You are standing. But in your standing, people give you sinful advice. You are standing in the path. They are passing. And they tell you. Do you know that you must never trust any man? <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what your husband or your wife is doing behind your back? It's an advice. They just say that and they go, they go along. You are standing. You are not conscious. But that thing drops into your heart. So now you make yourself a detective. When the man is sleeping... You want to catch his finger to put on the phone, to open the phone so you can see what is on the phone. So you try and go. If you try and get her finger as she's sleeping. Then you run to the bathroom. What is he doing? What is he doing? Who is he talking to? What is he doing? And you see, when you give yourself that stupid job, (laughs) Satan will let you see what you want to see. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, you don't like my message. Oh, you don't like my message. Yes, Satan will let you see that your viewpoint has everything to do with what you see. Your point of view. So when you view from the place of suspicion, you will see suspicious things. Are you with me? Because anything and everything can be interpreted however way you want to say it. So somebody may be encouraging your husband or your wife, but it will look like the person says, ah. Because they came from a place of suspicion. The way, I, the way I heard the men, I cannot be trusted. Trust no man. Which means that he's or he or she's doing something shady that you don't know about. So snoop to find what is going on. I have, I have unbelievers. I church members and pastors in my church. Hmm. How many? Let me go and stand here again. I don't know why I came down. Hallelujah. 
So sometimes, sometimes we, 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 we get ourselves into trouble, bring difficulty into our own lives because we stood in the wrong place and had the wrong advice. And that advice informed our behavior or misbehavior. That causes a lot of problems. Which could have been avoided. Nor sit in the seat of scorners. The Bible says that any place a scorner is, contention will never cease. So when you are dealing with somebody and there's always strife, always trouble, always, every day from beginning to end, there's always quiet, quiet, quiet. You are dealing with a scorner. A scorner is somebody who looks down their nose at you. And they think that you are beneath them. You are less than them. You, I'm doing you a favor. I am better than you. That is a scorner. And when you have somebody who is a scorner, you ask your chief advisor. Um, are you getting what I'm saying? You become somebody with negative faith. See, faith can grow positive or grow negative. So the priming of the seed is very important. Are you with me? Because you are about to sow it. And when you sow it, the condition of the seed is what is going to be the condition of the harvest. So if the seed you are sowing is the seed of uh, discouragement, seed of uh, deceit, seed of, of, of uh, anger, seed of uh, suspicion, seed of, of uh, 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 fighting, what do you think you are going to reap? That is how come you have to train your ears to listen to positive things. Train your ear to listen to people who will encourage you. You see, the Bible says, can two work together? Amos chapter 3 verse 3. Can two work together except they agree? Which means that the person you are working with, you must check where they are going. And see whether you agree with where they are going. Otherwise, don't work with them. Listen, life is too short. Life is too short to have, make accidental friends. Look at the person sitting next to you. Just look at their face. Don't say anything to them. Just look at them. Your, your, your best friend is an accident. Uh, I don't know whether you understood. Can I break it down? Can I break it down a little bit? How many want me to break it down a little bit? You see, they became your best friend because they happened to live in a neighborhood. They happen to come from where you came from. They happen to do the same course as you are, you are doing. They happen to be your, your, your flatmate or your roommate. They happen to be on the same floor as you are. And then you make them your, your, your flatmate, your, your best friend. How? How does that person become your best friend? Are they going where you are going? Do they come from the place where you came from? Do they have the right ingredients for your success? Life is too expensive. And it's too short to make accidental friends. As for acquaintances, you can make accidental acquaintances. But for friends, be very, very deliberate and choose 
Oh, you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for you to be my friend, you must be going where I'm going. For you to be my friend, you must be either further than me so that you are encouraging me to get where you've gotten. Or you should be my companion because we are on the journey to that place. So that iron sharpens iron, so a man the countenance of his brother. Or you must be somebody that is looking up to me and to go where I'm going so that I can mentor you to the place I am going. Otherwise, I have no business with you. I can look for, at you from afar and we have a, a very platonic conversation and see ya. Amen. Because, I mean, I've been around for a while and I've noticed that friends determine the destiny of our friends. When you see a, a friend, a joker who is going nowhere and you see their best friend, guess what? Their friend haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> How many understand what I'm saying? If a divorced person is your best friend and you are married, guess what? Because the advice they will give you will send you that way. Listen, don't tolerate nonsense. When he says one, say, say two. When he slap you, boot him three times. And you see that it's not going to work well. Are you with me? I'm not saying you can't encourage somebody who's divorced as your friend. But you should be going to a happy marriage so that you are a mentor. Are you getting what I'm saying? You should be in a good place. Advise the person. Let's finish that, that scripture. By his delight. Someone, when someone is in it. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Listen, rather than listening to, um, uh, what do you guys, Netflix, or, no, no, not Netflix. You know those type of uh, blogging, girls, girls chatting, video, vlogs. My, I, anytime I pass behind my, my, my daughter's door, it's a monologue. Some one girl is just going on. So one day I entered the room. I was like, what is she saying? Because it goes on from morning to night. Some girl is sitting in a room and has put her, her camera on herself and she's talking about God knows what. Sometimes talking about makeup, talking about her day, talking about, you know, what's getting her angry, talking about... Which makes no sense. Why don't you get somebody who is going to inspire you with the word of God? Same monologue. By this time, it's something that you can use for your life. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> Debbie, I'm looking at you. Because 
The only person who I know is a fifth column in this room at this minute is Debbie. I, I, how many know what I'm talking about? No, it's social media. Yes, it's social media, but use it for your benefit. When you're going on, this church is on every platform. If it's Snapchat that you, is your thing, we are on Snapchat. At least in the morning, get an inspirational word. In the evening, two, sec, three, two minutes, three minutes, something, read something. And let it stay with you in the morning, stay with you in the night. Positive thinking. The people who don't believe in God, they, say, they call something positive thinking. If you are somebody who always, you are into positive thinking, positive things happen to you. Isn't that true? The world understands it. Unfortunately, Christians, we don't understand and we don't use it. The Bible says that in his law, he meditates day and night. Then the next one, next verse, he says that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. How many of us don't want to be like this tree? I want to be somebody who is resourceful, even in my old age. I'm always bringing up, bringing up, bringing up, bringing up. I admire old people that are resourceful and still productive. My father was 82. He was almost dead. And he was planning on building another house. And so I said to him that, who is going to stay in that house? But he said, I want to build. Because for him, building a house is a hobby. It's not for staying in. Is what keeps him relevant, what keeps him young. Are, are you getting? In his 80s, he has built all. There are some houses that he has when he died, we didn't see them because he himself doesn't know where the house is. He has two houses in Holland. When my father died, we didn't find them. I went to Holland myself, went to look for the house. I couldn't find it. That's the, the madness of an entrepreneur. They buy something from here, buy something, buy, 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 buy something. And sometimes buy, nobody knows where it is. He himself doesn't know where it is, but he's bought it. Hallelujah. It keeps you bringing forth fruits in your season and even out of your season. Your leaf shall not wither. And whatsoever you do or he does shall prosper. Then he goes on to say that, but... The ungodly, it is not like that for them. For they are like the chaff which is blown away. Every wind that passes blows you off. Ungodly advice blows you off. You are no more. Your business is collapsed. You lose your job. Me, I won't let my boss talk to me that way. If your boss is always talking to you, no, what do you have to tell him off? Tell him off, tell him off, tell him off and go and eat what? <laughs> and then you go, you do, you slam the door, slam everything, push him down, then he goes, aha, I feel cool. I'm not coming here, you swear everybody in the place, and you bang the doors and you carry your, your bag and you are going out. I feel better. I feel better. Then you take another step and say, mortgage. Take another step, the rent. Take another step. Now your, your steps are getting shower, slower and calmer. And then the anger is 
is going down, then the anger tends to regret. Then it tends to, what is this foolishness that I've done? <laughs> what is this? Then, then now, pride stops you from going back to say sorry. And then you see that you are just in the withering season of your life. Because you feel too big and you feel too stupid and you're judging yourself too much to go and say, I am truly sorry. Hallelujah. But it all stems from one advice that was not godly. One advice that was from a scorner. One advice from somebody who was not the right person to advise you. And look at where you're ending. So you see, our faith, our belief system, what we believe in is very crucial. Unfortunately, we are products of our upbringing. For some of us, our seed were contaminated before it was handed out to us. Because unfortunately, the parents we came from, the environment we came from, the background that we came from was so faithless, so... Uh, disparaging, so scorn-driven, so obtuse. So it makes us not, it's like the faith, we've been handed a bad card. But this afternoon I came to tell you that it is not over. You can prime the seed again. I say you can change the seed again. You can re reformat, reformat the disc in your hand. Reformat the, the uh, USB you're holding. Are you with me? And make it worthy of a successful life. Am I talking to somebody? You can redo it. And this is how we are going to do it. This is how we are going to do it. We're going to practice seven quick things that will help us to grow our faith. Feed your faith through the word. Feed the word. Someone say, feed the word. Feed on the word. Amen. Someone say, I'm going to feed on the word. Yeah. Become a connoisseur of the word of God. I think there's a tea that you gave me this morning. That's what is bringing my English. Okay. To, when I say connoisseur, what I'm trying to say is that become somebody that is always fishing out for the right word. Yeah. Become a devourer of good word. You see, your ears are very expensive. Am I talking to somebody? Your ears are very expensive. So don't lend your ears to negative speaking. Don't lend your ears to... The Bible says, be careful how you listen, how you hear. And be careful what you allow out of your mouth. Because anything that comes out of your mouth, negative or positive, is an indication of what is in your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you with me? So if 
up to this point, everything you say is negative, then change it by feeding on the word. Hallelujah. I say feed on the word. Am I talking to somebody? You're all very quiet today. Why? What's wrong? How many are going to feed on the word? Psalm 119 verse 103 says that your word are so choice, so tasty. I prefer them to the best home cooking. This is the message translation. Put the message translation. 119 verse 103. Your words are so choice, so tasty. I prefer them to the best home cooking. Hallelujah. With your instructions, I understand life. Your, your things have gone off. I use them, so I can't use them anymore. With your instruction, I understand life. That is why I hate false propaganda. <laughs> I hate false propaganda. Hallelujah. Things that are not right, I don't eat them. How many eat spoiled food? Food that stinks. That's gone off. You know, uh, fri Friday, somebody came to uh, my office. Some people came for counseling from London. They dri drove in all the way from London to my office. And when they got there, the, the young man says that, I want a cup of coffee. And I thought that after the man has driven all the way from London here, the least I can do is to provide him with a cup of coffee. So I went into the kitchen and I prepared. I'm not a very good cook, but I did the coffee. And then unfortunately, the milk that was in the fridge had gone bad. So I poured the milk in and I stirred it. I was just about to carry the, the, the cup with the saucer and everything to go and give to this young man. And then I saw the, the way the, the milk was dancing in the coffee. It didn't look right. I'm not a coffee drinker myself. But when I see bad coffee, I can see that mm, this one is. So I said, no, let me use a teaspoon too. So I, it, I, as soon as I brought it close to my mouth, I smelt the thing. I was like, now, how am I, how am I going, to, uh, do I leave them? So I was thinking, do I leave these guys in my office and go to one stop to go and get the uh, milk? Or do I go to the office and tell the man that, unfortunately, I don't have milk. In this big building, I don't have milk, so you can't have your coffee. Just then, an angel came into the place. Just then, Beulah walked in. <laughs> and Beulah walked in, I said, Beulah. Do you have milk in your office? And then Bula said, oh, I have coffee. What? Coffee mate. That's it here. Here, coffee. Here, uh, teaspoon. Here, plate. Here, spoon. There's a young man in my office. They need coffee. And then I went to sit down. But can you imagine if I had brought this smelly, stale coffee? And that's the first impression a man will have of me. 
because he's never met me before. And I'm about to marry him off to my daughter. <laughs> I'm sure the person said that this your father is not correct. <laughs> he gave me, because such, the person will never forget. Uh, this man, I drove all the way from London to, to Leeds, and he gave me still. <laughs> but then, Vila just brought a very nice cup of coffee. And the man just took it. Oh, that's nice. I said, yeah. <laughs> You don't know what you're about to <laughs> drink before. <laughs> Grace found you. Hallelujah. So feed on the word. Let the word of God come alive in you. Amen. Become somebody who loves the word. Number two, exercise your faith. Faith is seen more by the actions. In James chapter uh, 2, it says that show me a man of, verse 17, says that so also it, faith, if it has not got works, it's dead. Amen. The Amplified says that so also if it does not have works, deeds, actions of obedience to back it up by itself is destitute of power, inoperative, dead. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Oh, I say, am I talking to somebody? So let us have a living type of faith. James chapter 2 verse 22 says that you see his faith and his actions work together. This is the new living translation. Say his faith and his actions work together and has made him or made his faith complete. Amen. His actions by backed by his faith makes his faith complete. What have you done because you believed God is with you? What have you done because you believe that God is, has answered your prayer? See, some of us, we pray. And after we finish praying, we are waiting. And God is also waiting and praying. God is praying that you will take that step. And you are praying that God should bring the answer. And both of you, are, have you done checkmate before? Check, check. We are, we are checking ourselves on the chessboard waiting. What you need to do is to take the step of faith because I have prayed and I believe I am going to start. Hallelujah. If it's the business, don't wait for everything to happen. Because you have faith, show us your faith by starting the action. Amen. Next one, quickly, let's finish. Let's finish. Next one. Speak your faith. Speak to your faith. Make it grow. How do you speak to your faith? What do you believe because of what you have read? What do you believe because of what you have said? Start talking it. Start saying it. You know, in, in Mark 11, you see that when the, 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 the Bible talks about uh, if you believe you can say to this mountain, be moved and be planted, and you shall have whatever you say. It didn't say you shall have whatever you pray. It said you have whatsoever you say. What you speak is what you have. Amen. So speak to the faith. Make it go number four quickly. Free your faith from negativity. 
Don't allow negative thoughts to attack your faith. Sometimes our worst enemy is our mind. Hallelujah. How many understand what I just said? Your worst enemy is your mind. How many have failed driving tests before? And you failed a few times. Give me a wave. For, 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 for those, for those, for those, for those who, who failed your driving test, you, sometimes the instructor, instructor will tell you that you failed before you sat behind the steering. You failed because of the way you were thinking. You failed because you had, you are hyped yourself. So, some of us, our problem is, is runabouts. <laughs> we panic. <laughs> so when you are approaching the runabout, Sometimes you already failed before you approach the runabout because you, 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 are, you are not sure even where to be, whether to be on this side, to be in the middle, or to be on this side. So you see yourself in, in between. You are not on the left, you are not on the right, you are in between. You have failed there, right there. Sometimes you are waiting. The last time I went too early and then a car almost hit us and I failed. The last time I estated. So now you don't know whether to estate, whether to go to early. So you there, before you realize, the angel got stopped. <laughs> Dangerous fault, hesitation. So you see, sometimes you fail in your head before you actually fail. So sometimes you say, ah, this exam, only 10 people pass every year. And you are 40 in the class. And then you know that you are not the cleverest in the class. So all of a sudden, you have started right, okay, so this one will pass. This one will pass. This one, she's always very good at uh, uh, group discussion, so they will also pass. This one, you have, you have become the examiner. Now you have given the passes. The only space left is for one person, and there are about 30 other students, including yourself. So even before you enter the exam room, you have failed. So you are planning, do they have a receipt in August? <laughs> Can I retake before I even go and write the paper? You haven't even seen the paper, you are planning for August. Number five. Believing the impossible to be possible. Hallelujah. Listen, there is nothing impossible for God. There is nothing too hard for God. I said God can turn any and every impossibility to become possible. Amen. Oh, I don't, I, I'm not hearing you at all. How many believe what I'm saying? Yeah. There, there's a song that Brooklyn Tabernacle sings. Nothing, nothing at all, nothing, nothing at all, it is possible. Have you heard that song before? When you go home, Google it. Brooklyn Tabernacle says that nothing is impossible for God. With God, everything is possible. All things are possible. Amen. Luke chapter 1 verse 37, the Bible says that for with God, nothing is ever impossible. And nowhere from God shall be without power or impossible, or fulfillment. This is the amplified version. Amen. Number six. 
This is how you grow your faith. The sixth one is that share your faith with others. Share your faith. Share your testimony with others. That's how you grow your faith. Are you trying to say to me all your life up to this point, God has never done anything in your life. God has never blessed you. God has never come through for you. God has never given any miracle to you before. Are you trying to say that to me? Do you know that there were uh, 12 billion spams contending against you for your mother's egg? Oh, you have gone quiet. Do you know what 12 billion looks like? Eh? The whole world, we are not even up to 10 billion. The whole world, we are not even up to 12 billion, 10 billion. You, you contended against 12 billion spams, and you were the most successful. Give yourself a clap. Ah, listen, you are not a loser. You are, not, you are a winner. Before you even know, you were a winner. You started as a winner. Out of 12 billion, I came first. I have been first before. Listen, I have been first before. First out of 12 billion is a, is, is a very good number. Maybe in your class, you've never gone past 15th. You've never gone past 20th. It's okay. You were first out of one, 12 billion. So share your faith. Say, listen, I've been first before. And I'll be first again. If it's happened in the past, it will happen again. Out of 12 billion, I came first. Out of these seven or eight people coming for the interview, of course I'll be first. What do you think? I'm about to get a job. Share your faith. Hallelujah. Last one. Discuss your faith frequently with your manufacturer. The manufacturer of your faith is God. I said, the manufacturer of your faith is God. Go back to him. You see, nobody can fix the car better than the manufacturer can. Nobody can fix that broken speaker or broken television or broken camera better than the manufacturer or the maker of that equipment. So why are you discussing your issue with roadside mechanics? Why are you discussing your issue with <laughs> somebody who have you seen when you see that the mechanic himself and you see his his shoe that is on the wrong foot and they're about to fix your car? I'll be very, very weary of that mechanic. Before you, you give the, your keys to the mechanic, look around his shop <laughs> and see whether your shop you can. You can release your only car to this mechanic to use as try and error. How many have taken uh, your car to the mechanic and they, they condemn the car? I remember this guy one day. My car. My car was having issues with the engine management light had come off. Then I went to give this guy my car. Because I took the car to uh, VW, and VW said that it was going to cost, I think, 800 pounds. Oh, no, 
Was it 800? Is it about 1,500 something? 800 or 1,500? Let's say 1,500. I said, no, no, I don't have 1,500. I can't give that. How much is the car that I'm going to? No, no, I'm not there. So I took it to the, this. <laughs> Believe me, by the time I got the car back after two years, after, no, it's about six months or about six months, I paid twice the amount of money that VW was charging. I kid you not. Because I took it to the wrong person. The guy said he had finished the car. I should come for the car. I went for the car. As I drove the car from here to where the, uh, the camera is, I saw, I had click, 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 click. There were, were boats and nuts jumping out of the car. I kid you not. And my wife was running after me saying that there are things dropping. <laughs> it was dropping down the engine as I was driving. I could hear it dropping. Click, 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 click as it was dropping. I discussed it with the wrong person. I didn't go to the manufacturer. And it was more expensive. It cost me so much. I tell you, when the car came, I didn't want to sit in it. I think I sold the car. Because it was just, it was a very bad experience. And the mechanic died. I I must have cursed that mechanic. (laughs) I don't know how many times I cursed the mechanic. But you see, one day I went to, back to the mechanic's place that I'm going to, I was going to, because I took the car from there and took it elsewhere. The place is, is Aldi now. There used to be a mechanic there. I cursed him so many times. Then one day I went there, the, the man died. I felt so bad. <laughs> Hallelujah. But listen, don't take your faith to a wayside mechanic. Don't take your most precious item which is your trust in God, and share it with somebody who has no business with making you or your faith. Take it to God. I said, take it to God. Take it on your knees and begin to pray. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I need your help. Stand to your feet.